Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. How many of you are grateful to God for all that he has done for you through our Lord Jesus Christ and his continual grace that he gives us each and every day? Isn't his grace amazing? Amazing grace. Hallelujah. Well, I was blessed this past week to join with 40 other pastors and leaders from around Rhode Island and parts of Massachusetts to be a part of three days uh, prayer. It was a prayer summit that was held in Sharon, Mass. at a retreat center. And uh, we were praying. I was praying with not only Assemblies of God, but all different denominations. People who love Jesus, people who wanted to seek God, and people who are praying for their churches, praying for the lost, praying for Rhode Island, praying for a move of the Holy Spirit. I believe we're living in exciting times. I believe God is working. I believe God is moving, even when we don't feel it, even when we don't see it. We know he's working, amen? And really, and you have to believe, and I have to believe our prayers, and we know they're not in vain. We know that our prayers are powerful, our prayers are never wasted, our prayers are stored up in the bank of heaven, and we don't know when we're going to be able to draw upon them, and we don't know when our prayers are going to tip the scale, and God is going to pour out his spirit in some unprecedented ways. I believe God is working. Can you say Amen. I believe God is pouring out his spirit, but I believe there's so much more for the people of God. So hang in there, hang on, help is on the way. Amen? If you have your ready, we're going to look at Isaiah 26, verse 3. I want to speak to you about shalom. Shalom. Turn to the person next to you and say shalom. Shalom, shalom. Amen. Amen. If that video is ready, can we just quickly show that? And this will introduce my message this morning. The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting, it also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom, and his reign would bring shalom with no end. 
a time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others, like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. Shalom, shalom. Amen, amen. Let's look at the Word of God this morning as we turn to Isaiah chapter 26. You will keep him in perfect shalom, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah the Lord is everlasting strength. Amen. I want to talk to you about shalom. In our economy today, supply and demand affects the cost in the availability of products and services. We have heard in our economy and the news that the highest inflation prices we have had in decades, we have had the highest cost of living this for 2022 than we've had in 40 years. That means the products and the services that we buy, the cost for them have increased by 5.9%. We are seeing a crisis in our supply chain. Basically, it's the breakdown and the delay of getting products from the manufacturer to our table, to our home, our offices, or our garage. All of these issues are because of the great demand we are seeing in our economy, in our country, and even around the world. I want to talk to you about shalom this morning. I want to talk to you about peace because I believe that peace is one of the most valuable or it's an invaluable commodity. Peace is desperately needed in our world, but it's also needed in our churches and in our individual lives. Peace is something money can't buy. A title or a position cannot convey it. A dream house, a dream car can't impart it to you. Thousands of social media likes and followers can't grant it. Peace cannot be found in a bottle. Can't be found in a pill, nor can it be found in a philosophy. But I have good news for you this morning. 
that the shalom of God, although it is in great demand, it is not in short supply. It is in great demand. It is a great need that we have. But thank God it is not in short supply because everything that God has is in abundance. His grace is everlasting. His mercy is never failing. His peace, his shalom is for you and I. And there's an abundance for it. There's no lack. Supply and demand drives the prices higher and higher. The more demand causes the prices to rise and, and on the remaining supplies, but in God's economy, there is so much that God has for us this morning. And by faith, by faith, may we receive it in the name of Jesus. By faith, may we receive what God has, his great shalom. Many of you that have been to Israel, we enjoy just being immersed in the culture. And one thing we heard throughout the day, old Jewish people would greet one another, and that would be shalom. That was their greeting, shalom. And, uh, and I even heard it sometimes, uh, a double blessing. They would say, shalom, shalom. And when you say shalom, or understand, even as the video communicated, it is more than just saying hi. It is more than just uh, a greeting, hello, how you doing, and you walk on. Do you ever notice that? Someone will say, hi, how you doing, and you just walk on. You really don't care. Or you're really not looking to find out how they're doing. It's just a form of a greeting, hi, yeah, how you doing. Imagine if the person started telling you all your problems as you're walking away not even hearing them, not even really taking time for them. But the word shalom is so much more than that. It is a word of blessing. It is a word of encouragement. It is a word that is pregnant with meaning. Shalom is not just the ending of hostility, but it means well-being. It means being whole. It means being intact. It means restoration. And we understand this morning that peace, that true shalom comes from the one who is called the Prince of Peace. The one whom we know as our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Peace comes from Him. The Bible has a whole lot to say about this word shalom. In the Old Testament, the word shalom is used close to 300 times. In all of the Bible, including shalom and the Greek word that we heard for peace, is used close to 800 times in the Bible. It is, a, it is an important word. It is a critical word. It is a strategic word. It is a word that you and I need to experience, the shalom of God. I want you to know this morning, there's more of God's shalom. There's more of God's peace. He has it for you. It is there for the taking. It is there for you and I to experience. And boy, do we need to experience it. Many of you know in Psalm 122, the psalmist David says, I want you to pray for the shalom of Jerusalem. May those who love you pray for the peace. Pray for the shalom. So every uh, Jewish person, Every uh, person of God, all of the people of God in the land of Israel, when they heard that, they said to David, Amen. We will pray for the shalom that Jerusalem, that Israel, that the people of God would, would experience wholeness, restoration, 
blessing, everything would be whole, everything would be intact, everything would be restored. Yes, we pray for Jerusalem. Now what was interesting, several hundred years later, maybe four or five hundred years later, you know that Jerusalem uh, was, was brought into captivity or destroyed by the Babylonians in around uh, 600 uh, B.C., 600 years before Christ came, and, and the city of Jerusalem was destroyed. Uh, the temple was destroyed. The walls of Jerusalem were broken down. And the Babylonians came and they took Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego, uh, the leaders of the people, took them back to Babylon, took them back to, to that city after they had destroyed the land. And then God said something very interesting in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29, the Lord said, I want you to pray for the shalom of the city where I have caused you to be brought as captives. Now wait, what? I can see praying for the shalom of Jerusalem. I can see praying for the peace of the city of God. But God, you want us to pray for the shalom of the people of the city that has taken us captive? That doesn't make sense. But God said, when you pray for the peace of Jerusalem, when you, pray, when you pray for the peace of Babylon or the city that I've caused you to be taken captive to, then you will enjoy peace in that city. So God wants us to pray for the peace of our cities, the peace of our nations, the peace of the world, even when it doesn't seem quite right, even when we don't like where we are, even when we don't like those who are leading us or are over us in our country or in our city or wherever we are, God says, I want you to pray for shalom. I want you to pray for the peace of that place. You see, we can pray for the peace and the shalom of the places that we're uh, enjoying or where the places we like. But see, God has a bigger vision. God has a greater vision. God's not just concerned with our world. He's concerned with the whole world. He's concerned with the peace of Babylon. He's concerned with the peace of Providence. He's concerned with the peace of New York City. He's concerned with the peace of Lagos. He's concerned of the peace of the whole world. He's the Prince of Peace. And through his gospel, through his word, through his message, his heart, his desire is to establish peace in all the world. Can you say amen? As I said, peace is more than the absence of war. It's wholeness. It's restoration. It's completeness. And in our lives, it just seems that we need the shalom of God. There are so many that are broken, so many that are bitter, so many that are angry. They hurt. Even the people of God disappointed over the way things have gone in their life. I've heard many people say, I didn't plan for this. I didn't think this was going to go the way it did or my life was going to turn out this way. And, and, and they've allowed the enemy to come in with bitterness and anger and hurt and brokenness. And they're not enjoying the shalom of God. We need the shalom of God. The Bible tells us thou will keep him in perfect shalom whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee.
You know how important it is? You see, as I was studying it, as I was reading, you know, we know that first part that says, Thou will keep him in perfect shalom whose mind is stayed on thee. But, but, you know, there's another part of that. There's another component of that that you and I have to understand. It's according to as we trust in him. So in other words, our shalom will increase, our peace will increase, commensurate to or according to our level of trust in the Lord. How does our trust grow? How does our trust increase when we know the character of God? When we study his word, when we read his word, when we memorize his word, our understanding of who he is and what he does will grow and therefore our trust in him will grow and increase. Isn't it true in human relationships? The more you know someone's character, the more you can trust what they say and what they, what they will do. Isn't that true? For instance, did you ever need someone to take you to the airport? You have an early morning flight that's flying out at 6 o'clock, and, it's, and, and you're, it's an international flight, so that means you have to be there two hours early, and you need somebody to take you to the airport, and you can't miss this flight. Now think of somebody, now don't look around, think of somebody that is not trustworthy, that they're good people, but you can't count on them. You don't know if they'll show up. You don't know if they'll be 10 minutes late, 20 minutes late, and, and you know, uh, time, African time doesn't work at the airport. I told you the time that I was in Nigeria and, and we came, we got to the, the airport late for a, a domestic flight within the country and, 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 the, and the airline attendant said, I'm sorry, but we, we closed the gate and, and my pastor friend is arguing with him and then trying to convince him that we should still get on the plane when the plane is about to take off. We were late. You missed the flight. You missed it. It's not like church. You could come a half hour late and still... Come in. We should close the gate. <laughs> Flight's taken off. But there's some people you know that if you ask them, you are going to be stressed. You're not going to be certain. You're going to be uncomfortable. You're going to be antsy. You're not going to be, you're not going to be confident that they'll be there. And so, so what does that produce? It produces anxiety. It produces a lack of peace. But now... There are some people that you know that if you ask them to be there at four in the morning, they're actually going to be there quarter of four. So what does that do? How does that help you? You could sleep well. You could be confident. You could know that they're going to show up. They're not going to show up late. They're going to show up early. Why? Because you have learned and you have come to know the character of that person. So there's a trustworthiness that you have because you know what they said. They're going to fulfill. You know what they promised. They're going to do it. How much more the faithfulness of our God. He may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. He might not be early, he might not be late, but he'll always be on time in his timetable. The problem is we want to lock him into our timetable. We, need, we tell God, you've got to work in this timetable. But God is sovereign. He does not ask and consult us as to when he will work. 
He works on his timetable, but he is faithful. And the Bible says God will keep him in peace. And sometimes I say, God, but I don't feel your peace. God, I don't know. I'm not experiencing your shalom in my life. Trust in the Lord. It's according to our trust. My trust level's got to go a little deeper. Your trust level's got to go a little deeper, a little wider. We need to know that God has said it and he will do it. Can you say amen? We need shalom. We need it in our hearts. We need shalom in our homes. We need shalom in our churches. You know, there's so much division. When we look in the Bible, you know, division is nothing new. Look in the book of Acts. They fought over circumcision. Hello? They fought over baptism. They fought over the widows not getting their, their proper supply. There was a crisis. They fought over all these things in the church, the early church. They fought over the leaders. Some said, I'm a Paul. So I said, no, I'm more spiritual. I'm of Apollos. No, I'm of Peter. There was divisions. There were these things. That's nothing new. Hello? We fight over now. Now we have divisions over, over masks. I was at church. My wife were in Florida a, a few months ago, and we drove by the sign of a church, and they had a sign, 9 a.m. masks, 11 a.m. no masks. <laughs> there one church that wore a mask. One church that didn't. Uh, next, it'll be vac 9 a.m. vaccines. 11 a.m. no vaxxers. God help us. What is it going to be? 9 a.m. Republicans. 11 a.m. Democrats. We are not divided. We are one. We might have differences, but we don't let those differences divide us because we focus and concentrate on the one most important thing, that Jesus Christ is Lord, he is Savior, his blood is what gives us salvation by faith through grace, and all those other things we have to love one another and work towards, what did it say in that, that video? It says we, we get shalom or we have to work towards shalom through humility, through love, through, through grace and mercy with one another. It is a growing process. Can you say amen? We need shalom. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, it says, endeavoring to keeping the unity in the bond of peace. Endeavoring. So that means it's something you have to work towards. It's something you have to work for. You have to fight for that have that unity. So we see in this passage of scripture that shalom comes through our trust, learning to increase our level of trust and confidence in the Lord. So if God says it, we can rest and we can bank on it. Amen? We can trust him. The Lord is trustworthy. And then in Luke chapter 11 is something else that's interesting, that we can increase our peace by speaking peace. In, in Luke chapter 11 uh, 11, 5, if we can get that up there, Luke chapter 11, verses 5 and 6. And it talks about Jesus when he sent out his disciples. He sent them out and he says, when you go into a house, he says, I want you to speak peace. I want you to declare shalom. And he says, listen, he said, if his son of peace is there, then your peace, your blessing will remain. But if not, it'll come back to you. Think about that. Think about sometimes we fail to speak peace in a situation because there's maybe contention or hostility. But you know what? If we speak a blessing of peace and of shalom, and you know what? There's, a no, there's no son of peace there. It'll come back to us. So what we speak will come back to us. Can you say amen? 
Isaiah 57 says there's no peace, there's no shalom for the wicked. This morning, wickedness is being outside of your, a relationship with God. To have the peace of God, you have to have peace with God. And all of humanity, all of mankind is at enmity with God because we are, man is by nature is a sinner and is in rebellion to God. And it's only through faith and repentance and trust in Jesus Christ that we come into relationship with God. And, and if you don't know Jesus this morning, if you don't have a relationship with God, there is no shalom for you. But there is an opportunity right now in this moment to make peace with God, to experience the shalom of God, to ask God for forgiveness, to give your life to Jesus, to repent of your sins, and to put your faith in God today. Can you say amen? Just a couple of thoughts as we bring this all together. How, how, how can we experience the shalom in a greater way? Let's look at this a little further. It's important to have a proper perspective in life. How to experience the shalom of God in a greater way. You see, isn't it true that a lot of life is how you perceive it, is your perspective? Isn't it true that you can view things a, a, a stressful way, an anxious way, or you can, you can view things from God's perspective? Look at Paul in prison in Philippians chapter 1. We know that Paul is, he says, he says, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. You know, he, he, said, he didn't say I was a prisoner of Rome. He said, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He had the right perspective. It wasn't Rome in control. It wasn't Caesar in control. It wasn't the Pharisees or the religious leaders. He realized God was in control. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And he says something that's so profound and so powerful after he, he introduces his letter in, in Philippi, he says, I want you to know, verse 12, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. You know what he was saying? He was saying, these chains that I have on me have actually turned out for God's glory and God's good, for the furtherance of the gospel. He was in chains. He couldn't go on missionary trips. He couldn't preach in churches. He couldn't travel. He was in prison. He was, he was all, he was chained to other. You know, he says, these chains have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. You know why? Because he would be chained to four quadrants of soldiers. And, and every, uh, I think it was every four, every six hours, they would have to, to put New soldiers would come to relieve those, and he would be chained at times to other soldiers. So you know what he was saying? Every time they change, I got, I got a, a new captured audience. I'm not chained. They are. <laughs> they can't get away from me. You know when you start teaching or preaching or witnessing to somebody, oh, okay, I got to go, and they walk out on you. Paul was saying, listen, he said, I got a captured audience. He says, I'm chained. No, no, they're chained to me, and I get to preach to them. So think of how many people, how many soldiers. Matter of fact, it goes on to say that those in Caesar's household have become believers. Wow. Hallelujah. Look at God turning it around. Look at what God could do. God, give us a greater vision. God, give us a greater perspective. God, help us to have a better perspective on what we're going through, that God is ultimately in control. You see, it's how you perceive things that could rob your joy or could add to your joy. 
could rob your peace or add to your shalom. You remember we had Chrissy Chapman. She was a, a, a godly woman who, who ministered here on Mother's Day and also at the Woman of Judah Conference. And uh, she stayed with us for a couple of weeks in our home, and we had a chance to spend time with her. She was a missionary to Burundi, a small uh, African country that borders Rwanda. And, and a great woman, a godly woman. We spent time with her. We were driving uh, one day, going out to eat somewhere, and, 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 and I was complaining about the price of gas. I was saying, wow, look at the price of gas. Can you believe how high the price of gas is? And then Chrissy Chapman turned to me and said, at least you can get it. All a matter of perspective. Here I am complaining because I have to spend a few uh, extra dollars to fill a gas tank. And here's a woman in a country that my wife and I were in. And, and I remember being on a balcony in a hotel in, in Gatega in, the, in, in a um, hillside, mountainside part of, of the country. And I remember looking out, my wife and I, from the balcony and seeing a gas station and seeing cars parked overnight to be in line to get gas the next day for hours and hours overnight a line of cars all around the gas station to be in line to get gas and you and I come on you and I God help us we we are so spoiled in this country don't just look at me I'm talking to you I'm including you in this Amen? Worrying about the extra price of this or the extra price of that when, when, when we have a supply chain issue because we're buying so much stuff they can't keep up with the production of it because we're buying so much. And, and in some countries we know, you know from where you come from, they don't even have. So it's a matter of perspective. You see, listen, it's so important to have a, a, a healthy, proper perspective because we can become so spoiled and we can have such an entitlement attitude. God, forgive us. Paul said, I've, I, I've seen this turn out for the furtherance of the gospel. What was he talking about? He was talking about being in prison and yet he was rejoicing at what, what, what came about from that. What else can you do to increase the shalom? Run your own race. Don't compare yourself with others. What a trap social media is. What a trap it is. Did you hear the research that came out from Facebook? Now, this isn't a Christian organization. This isn't some pastor or preacher being cranky and, and, and you know, trying to say how uh, you know, social media can mess with you. Did you hear about the research that was done? They had internal memos, internal memos from Facebook that said that, that, that some of the social media platforms, Twitter and, 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 and all, they were toxic to young people. Did you hear that? There was research done, I believe it was in, in Europe, that, that the rate of suicide and the rate of, of depression amongst teenagers was directly linked to them comparing their bodies. Oh, I don't know if you're hearing me. This is good preaching, Pastor. Amen. Keep preaching. Comparing themselves. We all fall into that trap. 
You compare yourself to, to your neighbor's house, your neighbor's car. You compare yourself to your neighbor's paycheck, your neighbor's uh, ministry. You, I mean, you, you get with pastors, and a lot of times, you know, they, they, they're subtly trying to find out how big is your church. How many people? Run your own race. We lose our peace, we lose our shalom when we focus on other people and we compare ourselves. 2 Corinthians 10, 12 says, listen, do not compare yourself among yourselves. Those who do that are unwise. Why is it unwise? Because the human nature, when you compare yourself to someone that you are bigger or better than in some ways, there's pride that rises up. When you compare yourself to someone that has more or is greater in some area, insecurity takes root and you begin to look at yourself in a way that God never intended you to look at yourself. Can you say amen? You see, in life, we are not to compete but to complete one another. We are not called to, to subtract. We're called to add to one another. We're not called to divide. We're called to multiply. Amen. We lose our shalom when we, we don't focus on our own race. When we focus on others, what happens? We begin to compare. We begin to criticize. We can begin to compete with other, others. But listen, God has grace. God has joy. God has shalom for what he's called you to do, what he's called me to do. It might not look the same. It might not be the same. But listen, brothers and sisters, run your own race. Or can I say it the way they said it in the commercial? Stay in your lane, bro. And lastly, pray about everything. Pray about everything. Philippians chapter 4. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for no thing. Be full of care for no thing, for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding shall guard and keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? The peace of God, the shalom of God will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. So what does the scripture say? It doesn't just say pray. Did you notice that? It says pray with gratitude. Pray with thanksgiving. You say, I don't have much to thank God for. Well, you haven't taken the time to think about it. You haven't taken the time to count your many blessings. And when you do, you can pray and you can thank God for what he's done. And then you could also, by faith, thank God for what he's going to do. That word in, in the original Greek of the New Testament, when it says the peace of God or the shalom of God will guard your hearts. That word guard means to garrison. Figuratively, figuratively, it speaks of a squad of soldiers surrounding something to guard it, to protect it. So what does that mean to you and I? It's speaking figuratively that God has a protection, a garrison to hem in, to protect, to surround your heart and mind, and to keep it in peace. Hallelujah. The the Amplified Version says that peace which stands, stands over your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It passes understanding. What does that mean? It'll pass understanding or it's beyond understanding. It just doesn't make sense in the natural. It isn't rational. How can you have peace 
with all that you're going through? How can you have peace in the midst of the storm? And I close with this. I'm reminded of the story of Jesus on the Sea of Galilee with his disciples. You know the story well. It's recorded in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and, and we see this, this, this miracle of God's uh, peace in the midst of a storm. But here we are, uh, the disciples, they are fishermen. Most of them are fishermen. They're trained. They're skilled. They've been in, on the Sea of Galilee many times in other storms. But this one was so severe. How many of you have been through some storms? But then there are some storms. Hello? It's not the average storm. This one was so severe that the disciples thought they were going to die. They said, Master, Master, they went to wake him. They said, don't you care that we're going to perish? Now, these were not, uh, they weren't overreacting. They weren't, they weren't weak men. They were, they were strong, skilled, experienced fishermen who had been through some storms. But this one was different. And you know where Jesus was? He was, he was sleeping through this storm. I don't know about you, but every time I get on a plane, every time I get on a boat, every, I, I, I have to take Dramamine because I get motion sickness. Here is Jesus in the Sea of Galilee. He is asleep during this storm. How could he do it? Because he had the shalom of God. What happens? They wake him. What does Jesus do? He, he, he arises, he, and he rebukes the wind and the waves, and he says what? Peace, 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 be still. What so blessed me is when I thought of this, Jesus said something, and I close with this. In John chapter 14, he told his disciples, my peace, the peace that I experience, I give to you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you, but I give you a peace. Think about that. We could have the peace that Jesus experienced. We could have the peace. I said we could have. I, I can't, I, I, can't uh, I confess I haven't had, always had that peace. I confess I, I've been stressed out. I confess that I've been overwhelmed, but I've also known what it is to have the shalom of God, that all hell could be breaking loose and there's a peace, and it is a peace that comes from God. Jesus said, not as the world gives. So what does that tell me? It tells me that the world can give a peace, but it's a phony peace. It's not a real peace. It's not a genuine peace. It's not a lasting peace. And he said, I don't give you a peace like the world gives. I give you my peace. Would you stand together with me this morning? Can we let that be a moment of prayer? Can we, can we just engage with God and interact with God and make that be our call to action as we pray this morning and say, Lord, I speak shalom. Lord, I receive shalom. I'm going to change some things. I'm going to position myself that I can experience your shalom in a powerful way. Come on, would you talk to God for a moment and I will, I will close in prayer and pray with you and for you.
Father, right now I come into agreement with your people according to your word. God, that you will keep in perfect peace, perfect shalom, whose mind is stayed on you. God, we pray that through the scriptures, through the word that reflects the character and the nature of our God, that, that we would focus on him and know him. And God, that we would experience that peace, God. Lord, let our level of trust rise to another level. God, I thank you for each and every person here this morning. It doesn't matter what level of trust we're at, we could all go to another level. God, I pray that there would be an incremental increase in every life here this morning. God, whether it's going from level one to level two or level three to level four, whatever level, God, we know we all stand at the, at the foot of the cross on level ground in need of your grace, in need of your shalom in a greater way. Matter of fact, those that have served you longer and those that have more responsibilities, God, they, they need more shalom, God. There's many moving parts, even as we heard in that video. There's, there's a lot of moving parts, and it's so easy for things to get disjointed and get out of whack. But today we pray for shalom over our lives, shalom over our ministries, shalom over our church, Shalom over our family. God, we thank you today, God. Although the devils come to divide and come to break things down, Lord, we're declaring shalom in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that over the lives of your people, over the life of this church, Father. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Would you raise your hands? Would you receive the blessing from Numbers chapter 6 that also speaks of the shalom of God? Would you receive this? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom. Amen, amen, and amen. Receive the shalom of God. God bless you. Amen.